our DT systems, the Rap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Rap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Hashtag man's best kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide in the DMs. We'll hook you up. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. We've got a good one for you. Our good friend, Captain Jeff Coates from Pit Boss Waterfowl, thinking of you, we are. Ha, 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 ha. He is joining us tonight. It's been a good show. We, we talked about his and his wifey's jump back into the hunt test game after a 20-year hiatus. He's got two dogs that are running different levels, and it's been fun to hear the differences in what he's seen back then and what he sees now, as well as a deep dive into decoy carving. So if you want to check out Jeff, uh, well, it's Pit Boss, Waterfall, um, anywhere you can find him. But listen to the show, enjoy. But you know what we got to do? That patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. And literally in three minutes, we got to jump on our happy hour. So I'm excited. Jeff and Karen are joining us there. If you want to join the happy hours and have your questions answered, if we've answered your question here on the podcast, you can join us at patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. Next up, from the duck blind to the holding blind, it's Purina, baby. The food that fuels the truck of lone duck. That 3020, baby. I just ordered 56 bags, a Mondo pallet. Not excited for the bill, but I'm excited to keep feeding the dogs food that we believe in. Next up, dog to e-collars. It's in my hand. It's in my pocket. It's on the dog's neck every day, all day. Um, I use the Edge RT. When we duck hunt, the uh, 1900S, you guys know that. Um, and then if you are a yapper, we got the YS300 or YS600. You can find those at LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Let's go. We got Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. If I'm going down the road and I'm not pulling the gooseneck, those suckers are strapped in. Remember, the Gunner Kennel will still keep them safe, but you better strap them in. Gunner Kennels, they got tons of good accessories. They're innovating the game. Let's go. Made in America, Gunner Kennels. Next up, shoot or shoot, baby. Mmm, that Kent Cartridge, you know where to go. Instagram, Kent Cartridge. Tell them we sent you. And when you comment on their post, just go MMMMMMMMMMMM. They'll know we sent you. Next up, our good buddies, Ethan and Kat at Standing Stone. Standing Stone, 
you get, you see him on YouTube all the time. You see him on the old Instagrams. We did a seminar with Ethan. We had a blast, but little did you know, they've got a dog supply company on the old internet, e-commerce standingstonesupply.com has basically anything you need to train a bird dog, a duck dog, a house dog, bingo, bango, bongo, standing stone kennels. Next up, smoke them if you got them, baby. Kevin just made a note that in two weeks, it's National Chicken Wing Day, so you know what I'm doing. Them wingy dingies. Smoke them if you got them. Trigger Grills. Lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you and you in tune with us. Let's get into the show. All right, Jeff, thanks for coming back. Welcome back to the... You're a third timer here. And we're, we're glad to have you back, man. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about what's been going on in your neck of the woods. Thank you very much. My, I, I normally would say my crown royal black salute, but we got a little bit of a shortage in our area. So I'm going with Heaven's Door Straight Bourbon Whiskey Day and neat. So I, I don't, when I drink neat, I don't drink as much, I don't think. <laughs> we'll well you got to stay hydrated. So I'll put a little <laughs> ice cube in there for myself. I'm a wuss. There you go. There you go. Well, welcome uh, what's back. What's been going to the on? It's, it's uh, summer is flying by. Yep. Um, summer's flying by. J- you know, July. It seemed like it was July first. Uh, you know, last week kind of thing, and it's just it's really kind of flying by. Um, got some. Uh, got like a mini gag order. I can't really talk 100 percent about PBHQ necessarily, but that is definitely in the works and moving forward. So that's that's exciting. Um, looking forward to the season. Yeah. Um, Karen, I know, is looking forward to going back out to PEI Canada uh, late October to, to do our what's become kind of a uh, our little vacation slash hunting slash vacation trip. So super, super good people up there, good friends up there. Uh, the leaves, the, the just the whole package. If somebody's never been to Prince Edward Island, at least t- take the time to look it up because it is a it's a great island. Um, and it's it's not the furthest that you can go. I used to say it's the furthest you can drive in Canada east but i guess technically nova scotia kind of cuts underneath it goes out a little bit further but it's an island it, it crosses the northumberland strait which is the longest bridge over ice covered water it's not ice covered in, in october but it's like 18 kilometers they don't charge you to get on the island they charge you 56 dollars us to get off the island so it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> they want to get you there if you charge in the beginning people might turn around hundred percent hundred percent but um no nah, just um things are things are busy we're looking forward to the season um we we kind of got he's as he walks through here we kind of got the mac man project uh he's a uh he's a piece of work so <laughs> yeah so yeah let's uh let's jump right into the show do it you you back in the day and maybe uh you could tell the time frame of when you were competitive hunt test and you ran some cues uh, field trials. Um, and you have a new, you, you got two dogs and we've talked about Rye in the past so we can dabble with her. And then you did just pick up a male named Mac attack Mac and you, you've been running them in some tests. Talk about both of those hound dogs, bud. So the, the Rye project, uh, we'll call it the project, but the, but the Rye slash project for of Rye was back in the day when I had five black labs, Coot Diamond, poacher booger and bristol i would go she she managed the hospital i would show up mr coates is coming in with all the dogs you know had the topper on the truck so i just showed up at one time with all the black labs so she knew of all the dogs sadly karen put all the dogs down but she really never got to see them in person run anything so um you know that uh, i guess the first hunt test i ran would have been back in 2001 and uh that was with coot didn't really know anything at all except I know I knew I actually I told Karen the story. We were at Rebel Ridge Farms with Mac. Um, I'll get into that part about how how that worked out. But uh, I told her the the I threw bird. I got paid a hundred dollars to throw birds, and I told her I said I would have had more fun. Forget about getting paid a hundred dollars. I would have had more fun running coot there than than sitting there working all day. And I did get a hundred dollar bill. But um, that, that was just kind of, after seeing that, like, I was just hooked. Like, I, w- I want to do this. You know, I want to do this. And I didn't understand exactly how, to, how the procedure to do it. But um, I kind of seeked out the help of some people. And I know coulda, shoulda, would and if. But if Coot would like to honor, she would have been a ma- I ran her senior and master. Um, and she would have been a master hunter before she was two years old, 24 months. She was 26 months old when we, when we finally got her, got her, got her qualified. And she was, uh, 
uh, had her qualify to go to the Master National that year. But um, that that cool. was that was that was many years ago. Did you get to go to Master National or just qualified? A big regret. I had her had her qualified twice, cool. and when it rolled around in two thousand ten, maybe it, it was in Maryland, Dorchester County. You know, less than an hour's drive. Uh, I was talking with Sue Shaw about like doing, and she she had she had some dogs qualified to go, and, and I I told Karen the other day I said I regret not making any effort to get coot qualified to go over there and do it, but my excuse was it was it was during my season, so it was kind of you know late oh, late October, so kind of like was trying to balance things out, and but I I do regret not not trying to make the effort when it was so close. So yeah, I've been twice. Well, I've been four times, twice as a salesman selling t-shirts and hats. And twice as a competitor, they not to make you feel bad for not going, but just for everybody else out there that is, you know, maybe wants that as a goal someday, it it's done right. You go and they have a monster opening ceremony with a, a cool buffet dinner and everyone from across the country, from Alaska, California, Texas, Florida, Maine, everybody goes to this thing and you're at this monster hall um the in south carolina it was at a college like a big college area and they just they make it a spectacle they make you feel like you really accomplished something and you and your dog are here to to kick ass and take names and uh, uh um you know, then, you know, throughout the week, there's different evening parties where you can win stuff at the raffle and pre even pre-training with friends and, and like that nerves that you're building up that week before. And it's an unbelievable community of dog folk that just are willing to get in the truck and drive to wherever it is next year. Um, I'm bummed I'm not going this year. We decided to, to bail on Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. I don't know what people call it, but potato, potato. And, uh, you know, it, it's allowed us to have a little bit of a more relaxed summer, which I've never had and focus on some other things. And it's been good. And August 1st, we're rolling back into pre requalifying for 2023, but maybe, uh, maybe in Rye and Max future, that would be something just, again, you're a dog guy, dude, you, you would, to be amongst it, it is neat. So, so you you say that, right? So next year it's in South Carolina, right? Georgia, Georgia. Georgia. Okay. So Georgia. you can yes. do yes. it. Yep. So like let's Karen, go, like Mac. Like this is going to be. Let's a little. We, we love to travel. We love to go. Play. Karen's from Australia, so she loves to travel. We we we'd like to just go on adventure and travel. Yeah. Do things while we, you know while we're doing things like. like while we're doing things, while we're traveling, like much like going to PEI, where we do shoot a lot of geese, we do shoot a lot of ducks, but it's really not about hunting. It's just about traveling and, and the experience of going up there. So, sure. This, when does your season start? Because I think the Master National in 2023 will be at the end of September and early October. So we can do it. It'll be good. So yeah. this 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 is uh, this will be the first season in the Atlantic Flyway that there is no special sea duck season. So they're considering sea ducks to be ducks. So whenever, whatever state you're in, when it's your duck season, that's when you can shoot sea ducks. So in our case, I think October 15th to the 24th, first two weeks of November, and then mid-December to the end of January. Does that affect the amount of days you can work? So, for instance, in the ocean. The ocean is this is, gets a little confusing. The ocean is the sea duck zone only. So you can only shoot sea ducks in the ocean. So... When it's legal to shoot sea ducks, that's when you can go there to shoot. So it used to be a straight 60-day season where it opened like the last Saturday in October, first Saturday in November for 60 days where our, our regular duck split was, again, like, like the third week of October, two weeks of November, in the mid-December on. So there was times that the sea ducks, ducks were closed, but sea ducks were open and, and vice versa kind of thing. So now yeah. to take the confusion out of everything, sea ducks are ducks when sea duck, or excuse me, when regular duck season is open. Gotcha. So it's still basically, it's still 60 days. Okay. Well, cause you know, from a business standpoint, it used to be longer than 60 days, wasn't it? Well, back in the day, it used to be 107 days. So it was basically always open the first Saturday in October to the end of January. Yeah. So that, if, I mean, as a business owner, you can only make money 60 days during that duck season versus 107. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I do have advantage to take, or I, I can take advantage of Sunday hunting in Virginia. So there's going to be a handful of Sundays that we'll, we'll try to shoot some Brant in Virginia. There's, there's opportunity to shoot sea ducks. The, the sea ducks in the areas where I'm at in Virginia have kind of been very slim recently, past couple seasons. Um, if they showed up, we could shoot sea ducks on the Sunday there. But, um, but basically, uh, Virginia, just over the state line. I mean, literally, I'm just over the state line into Virginia uh, from Maryland and that take advantage of their their um, their their branch. Well, their Sunday hunting as well as it's kind of the wild west of waterfowl, man. There really is no you, – you, you both, Bob and Kevin, you guys could come down. You could build a blind in Virginia. And, and like, you may, you may, you know, bother another hunter. But as far as, like, the state's concerned, they don't care. You can do whatever you want to do in Maryland. And Maryland is very regulated. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So um, tell us about how you acquired Mac. How did that go down? So basically through Instagram, mm-hmm. a very good friend of mine, Scott Moody. He did my logo way back in the day. My webpage, Scott and I are very good friends. We have a friend in common whose daughter is a school teacher and has this a, a nicely bred uh, black male that she just got married. She's pregnant. She's a school teacher. And I, I think truly the dog came from the boyfriend prior to all this. <laughs> but anyway, however that works out. Um, <laughs> like Scott's like, Hey man, can you, can you help her get rid of the dog? I was like, yeah, man, give me a picture. And what I posted up and like in, in, in 20 minutes, they got like 20 phone calls. The dog was free. Right. So Alex Abraham, who back in the day, you know, when I first had Coot, he had a dog named Jackson. If you recall the Avery sporting dog logo with a dog jumping. Yeah. I took the, they trimmed him up a little bit. But I, I took that picture, and that that was Alex's uh, chocolate lab Jackson. So Alex's dog was the was the logo. We shot that we shot that picture. We're training with Ed Forey up on um, the C and D uh, Canal lands right there, actually in Delaware, but Maryland Delaware on the canal C and D Canal. So uh, anyway, Alex gets a hold of me and says, "Hey, you know, how did that work out?" I say, "Give me a picture, and you know, just give me your whatever phone number you want people to call. I free dog, and you know, it, it happened really quick." So he's, we were kind of talking a little bit back and forth about it. He's like, he's like, it's my number four dog. You know, it's it's a Tucker's son. He's not going to be Tucker, you know, kind of thing, right? So, and if, if nobody knows Tucker, Tucker is, I think, the seventh, uh, number seven all-age point dog, 258 points or something like that, like 30, 38 wins, amateur and open wins. And um, you know, I think kind of, no offense to Alex, but I think Alex walked up to the line as long as Alex could get Tucker to the line, basically he's got a pretty good chance that something good's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, the weekend of the hunt test, Alex actually he won the amateur. He took fourth in the open with Tucker, and he retired. He retired Tucker. He retired. That weekend, so I saw that. that. Yeah, it was back in early January or June, excuse me. But um, anyway, long story short, I have to rewind and say we picked up Rye as we went to uh, PEI. And, and again, so Karen had saw all the dogs, understood, you know, kind of understood them and never really got to see them run. So in my mind, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to force fetch Rye and Karen's going to have a junior hunter dog. We'll get her sure. force fetch. We'll throw some marks. You know, Karen, look quick, you know, Karen, you can hold the dog, Karen. It's, it's easy. You know, maybe it's not easy, but I failed my first junior, so it can't be that, that easy. Right. But I've failed some too. <laughs> how many, how many juniors do you think you failed, Bob? That's rough estimate. I don't know, four, not many. I get made fun of a lot by my buddies that I'm like the junior winner. Like I am the junior dog king. Um, when I go and run a hunt test, uh, I'll take seven junior dogs and six master dogs and four senior dogs. And I'm just wide open at a hunt test, but yeah, we got a pretty good pass rate and it, when they don't do it, you're like, Ugh. not good but well, uh you know they make mistakes my, is what it is my, my first failure was with coot in our very first junior hunter where i i thought just like we train i wanted to come back i wanted to heal i wanted to sit i'm gonna take the bird out of her mouth and she went i got this first single and there's the flyers over here going quack 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 and she drops the bird on the ground and is like locked in like okay let's go and like i couldn't get her to fetch the bird up so that was, you know, and Richard, you know, Richard yeah. Barnes, if anybody knows, Jeff, we don't, we're not training at a hunt test or a field trial. You just pick the birds up as that dog comes back, just grab that bird out of her mouth and don't worry about it kind of thing. Right. That's right. So I told Karen that too. I was like, Karen, just grab the bird out of her mouth. The junior scoop as they call it. hundred percent, hundred percent. 
I'll these are the good little tips and tricks so that you pick up because you, yeah. you got to make these mistakes before you you know not to right sure 100%. i'll tell a quick story about my first dog buck um my dad and i drove to buffalo new york let's just say it was a three-hour ride we get there we get out and they've already ran test dog and i don't i think i've only had ran one before so i don't know what i'm doing i'm newbie as a newbie comes right and we get out and the lady's like are you bob yes you know her shaking in my boots you're up i'm like i'm up i just i just got here and she's like get your dog you know let's go so i'm i immediately like stomach flips you know that feeling when you get to a test and you're just nerves total nerves so i pull buck out we walk to the line. First bird goes off. Hammers the mark. I mean, the judges look at this young kid, like fresh, beautiful, young baby face. And they're like, boy, young man, what a, what a beautiful mark that was. And he came back at 120 miles an hour, spit the duck out. It hit me in the shins. And he just went and saw everybody in the gallery and run in the muck, peeing on truck tires. And I couldn't get him back. You know, I'm like, here, here, here. Uh, and they, they just looked at me and they're like, sorry. And I had to put him in the truck and we drove home and dad and I had a real quiet three hours. <laughs> I'll never forget it, dude. So yeah, you, you win some, you lose some. Um, but all right, let's get back on Matt. Yep, so, okay. so, so he is talk about his, qualities well, and strengths and weaknesses okay i want to just rewind so rye was basically just going to be a junior hunter so yeah. we, I, I hadn't run a hunt test in since 2005 easily you know show up to the hunt test karen watches i would you said about nerves man it's just junior hunter like i was i was very nervous about this you know yeah. I was like oh my goodness i can't believe i feel like this you know kind of thing yeah. but anyway we uh we had never run any water marks with rye just like especially it was a very technical pond and it's junior hunter but still um well, anyway there's there one one mark was a, a in the water and out but there's a kind of a channel and, and she, the mark got thrown and i got i don't think she's gonna get out of the water i think she's gonna keep swimming you know across to the far side but anyway she got a pass the next time it was a double so i ran her in the one and karen ran her in the other actually she handled better for karen than me for whatever reason um, and then the last one, it, you know, was Karen. I said, you're up, man. I'm not doing anything. This is you. This is all you. And Karen did a really good job. And, uh, you know, she, she got her junior title. And Karen's like, what else can we do? I was like, we can't do anything. I said, I, I you know, we're just going to for, I, yeah. And I did start, I started to do back to the pile with her and I just, you know, co I'll, I'll blame COVID a little bit, but just, you know, just certain things. It just, I just didn't finish it. Sure. I said, Karen, she can't run a blind. So I, she can't run a blind. We can't go run senior. So the, that's kind of the reality. So she's like, well, you got to start running, you know, go, you got to start running a, a blind <laughs> with her. So I, I did. I go, went over the property. I had, my stake was already, now we have the piece of property. So I went over each morning and, um, and doing, here's Mac right here now. Um, Handsome doing, uh, do, trying to get her going. And then, uh, anyway, so the out, so Alex, back to Mac. So Alex says, that uh, yeah, he's like you know, I just he's got a half an all age point. And Alex did say, do you, Jeff, do you remember way back in the day when he had out uh, Jackson? I had Coot. If we had an all age point, we would. I'm sorry, a half of an all age point, we'd feel like we had a field champion. I said, 100. Yeah. percent Yeah, I remember that very easily. He said, Well, Max got a half a point, or and I'm like, but I got Tucker. So like, he's just he's my fourth dog, and I just need a good home for him. Sure. So. I was like, well, I don't know how close that you want this to be, but I said, like, I, I, you know, I said, Karen wants to run hunt tests. I said, well, you know, we'll make him a, a if he can, if he's a, if he's an all age dog, which he didn't want to, he did want to qualify, and he's got a, he got a, a fourth and amateur. I said, man, we'll, we'll make him a hunt, we'll make him a master hunt test rock star kind of thing. Sure. And um, so that was kind of how we entered this. Cool. So we pick him up on a Friday. And by the time Monday rolls around, you know, texting back and forth to Alex, he's wanting to know how's it going. He's like, you know, you can enter a hunt test this weekend. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. Like he said, oh yeah, Rebel Ridge, there's still like there's still a there's one one master spot open. He said, I, I checked with him and it, it's good to go. And you know, he's like, but you could run senior too. He's like, maybe it's better that you run senior. I'm like, or we could run both. How about that? Right. <laughs> kind of thing, right. And uh, thankfully, 
he uh, Mac was like number twenty in seniors, twenty five dogs. So we we finished senior before I even had to run the first series of master, which really helped me because I may if I didn't run him in senior, we may have not got through the master part of it. But gotcha. So talk about you know last night. So just a a side uh, Tuesday night, Jeff's Patreon account. Which Jeff? What is it? Where can they find you on Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash Jeff, J-E-F-F, Coates, C-O-A-T-S. Beauty. Thank you. They do their own happy hour like we do on ours. And we got talking about Mac and Coot and all the other dogs that you've ran and tested. And you 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 have noticed a, a difference in the, uh, I don't want to say quality, but difficulty. Level. Level. What, what are people trying to achieve now with a master hunter? verse you know uh 20 years ago really it's almost 2025 so at 2005 was the last master test you ran it was 2005 so that was so, almost 20 years ago 100 so back in the day like we never trained for hunt tests all the guys that i was around ed Forey, richard barnes rex bell alex abraham we trained in white coats you know that's what we did da daily we did sure. not we did not really test, you know, we didn't train for hunt tests, truthfully. Um, in my case, you know, Coot, I guided, still guide, but I guided then and Coot retrieved a lot of birds. So that's really, that was kind of my in of like, why do I want to train dog? But like, it, it was kind of like the concept of a, a trained dog is a trained dog. And yeah. even though maybe they didn't, well, in Max's case, I can tell a few little stories real quick about the hunt test, but there's stuff there that he did not, he's not ever seen, which, you know, he had he's had to stop and check out some goose decoys because he's like what what are these things you know he's sure. never heard of, he never heard a duck call and and um you know there's there a lot of a lot of things that in his from his field trial world that even in the senior hunter was kind of a little foreign to him but i think just generally and typically overall what i experienced in doing the senior not necessarily the senior but definitely the master um i think it kind of was like it seemed like to me and maybe you know time has passed that i don't remember it being that way but I heard people kind of commenting and kind of griping, bitching a little bit about some of the setups. Like, that that's this is a hunt test. This isn't a field trial. But back mm -hmm. in the day, like, we trained field trials every day. So I expected, you know, not arrogantly, but I, I expected to be able to walk up to the line. And you know, if we're going to do, if we're doing 300 yard marks and, you know, retired guns and training, like something less than 100 yards, like, it, sh it should be easy, you know, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, so yep. that's, I just, I guess it was just seemed to be like, Maybe the maybe it was just the judges, the two judges, but it seemed like the like the uh, and I enjoyed the test, but like the envelope was definitely being pushed or and were trying to hold to a, a higher level. Cool. Did you feel like the concepts that they were asking the dogs to accomplish were the same, or did you feel like or seeing that experience uh, that the concepts are getting a little bit tougher? I I found it. So I happened to rewind just a second real quick. I, uh, uh, two, three years ago in um, Red Wing, Minnesota, I happened to, it was, it was really kind of cool experience. I judged, I was asked to judge a super retriever series. Super retriever series mm -hmm. is definitely a big game, right? But you can tell oh, somebody yeah. if, if, if there's a little piece of water right in front of you, the dog does not get in that piece of water, either you're disqualified or it's 50 points or whatever. You're, you have to You have to let them know. And I kind of felt like, the hunt test, the master hunt, the AKC master hunt test that we ran, there was twice, there was this little piece of water that it was pretty much told that the dog better get in that piece of water. Yeah. And not that, you know, and which I kind of thought like, hmm, okay, like if I was judging, I don't know that, if I was judging a hunt test, which I've judged a few hunt, hunt tests back in the day, I, I would judge what the dog did. I wouldn't necessarily tell the handler that they better get in that piece of water because that's kind of what I just did at the SRS. So I, I just, um, I guess that's what I mean about the higher standard where like they mm -hmm. truly expected the dog to get in the, the piece of water where, and they, and they kind of told you that, which I'd never, again, unless my memory is, is, you know, I am much older, but I don't ever remember that being said at a hunt test, you know, in the early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've definitely been at, even this weekend, this past weekend, we ran a hunt test and they made a comment that this, we ran a blind through a swim by pond and they had to just kiss a corner and they said that's yep. a water blind okay it, to me i like that because 
there are folks, especially, you know, we talk about in a hunt test, challenging the line to a blind, the corner that is land in the mind's eye is, is still challenging the line to the blind. It's still that it's that tight. Right. But if you don't specify that it's a water blind and then someone allows their dog to cheat and gets them to the bird and it's like, it never gave a cash refusal. It never did this. It never did that, but it didn't get wet. I mean, it, it was pretty, pretty good. So if you say it's a water blind and now the dog doesn't get in, you can say, sorry, Bob, you know, didn't get his feet wet. You didn't, he didn't do it. Okay. Hey, you, you specified. So, um, and I've seen it where they've set it on marks where this is a watermark. But to me, if you got a dog that cheated that one, boy, you, you don't deserve a master pass. So it's not like a little sliver like that blind was the other day where it's, it's black and white or it's not black and white. And then you go to a, a, a test that says this is a watermark. It, it's got to be a watermark. And if they cheated, it'd be like, oh, yeah, they were sort of really ran around. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like in the last few years, depending on where I run, some grounds that we go to, they don't have the option of big marks, um, but it's really tight and tough concepts. And then I've go to other places where it's really wide open and they do stretch them out. And you are like, dang, I hope, you know, you got a 20 yard walk up bird and then a 120 yard bird right deep of it, almost in line. Um, and I just think you need a really well-rounded dog. That's not a newbie. It's gotta be a master dog. And that's why it means something when you get it. So do you have uh, and then we'll get off this train here in a second, but do you have uh, any tests coming up? this end of summer early fall that you're going to try and run mac attack in so the the and for karen more than me but the the june the double junior we ran it's a double junior double senior so i would like her to i, I would like to enter and him in, in the double so, you know it's just a one day one day double they do it really it's very well organized and it moves very quickly and i'd like her to you know, i'd like karen to handle handle mac and that and that's uh late august so that's 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 really oh, the only beautiful. thing like just to just to get him um again to get her 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 you know she's um it, when we have trained you know i'm trying to help her understand and and uh, truthfully i'm not this is no this is no no bs like especially on the weekends early in the morning man we've we've like pull up youtube and i was like here check this this is watch bob do this you know, you know she, she she really enjoys listening to to your your style of of teaching and explaining you know she 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 enjoys it. So that's what I've, tr I've tried to pull some stuff up for to, you. you know, how you, how do you run a blind and how, you know, just handling the dog line manners. And, and that, that's what she just doesn't, you know, she yeah. doesn't know when to blow the whistle and you know, that, that whole thing. But we, we have, we have a lot, watch a lot of your videos on YouTube. Thanks. We got a, I got a sweet talk. You both into taking a road trip up here and training <laughs> with me for two or three days. It, it's not hard, man. We Come like, on, we bud. like to go places. We can do an in-house podcast. We like to go places. Yeah. Well, I, Parish New York isn't exactly a destination <laughs> like the PEI. That's oh, but we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Let's uh, segment. Number two is a selfish one. I want to learn how to carve a decoy, Jeff. I'm not handy. I'm a grade a dummy dumb when it comes to power tools. Um, we Everything. Kevin, would you give a, would you? Yeah, no, I'd literally, say, I'm, like, the only thing I'm good at is talking. I think that I don't even want to jinx it, but you need to keep all your fingers. So we'll just start there. Like, just yeah. please keep all Great your fingers. Hundred percent safety is a, is a very a very important. Jeff problem. just held his hands up, and I had to count to ten to make sure he had all I his. Got them all. <laughs> um, got them all. You're talking to someone who doesn't know type of wood, where to get the wood, what tools make life easier. Um, kick it kick it off what's a good decoy to start with like mallard duck or any of them i am going to answer that but but can i finish the mac man story oh yeah yeah of course okay cool so like 
I, I, I got to run senior with him, which, you know, basically, you know, he, he runs a really nice blind. So the blinds were, he's like, line him up, let him sit there. He, he, you know, he lined the land blind, but he, he never did a walk up. He never saw decoys. He never heard duck calls. He was, you know, he was kind of oh. like all over the place, like with what's going on here. And, and, um, and so we, we did the first series of the master. It was very, very nice. It was a triple with, with two blinds. Uh, the, depends on how you pick them up. If both the blinds were live or not. And, uh, we went to the hotel that night, and this is like we have we've only had him basically eight nights is what we've had him, right? Yeah. And I told Karen's like, is this just like my ego that I like I haven't run a master hunt test since two thousand five. Now granted, he is a he is a you know, he's he's a trained animal, he's an all age dog. But like who who am I to think like I could just like show up at a hunt master hunt test that I haven't run one in forever and and, and like get him to pass. And and uh, I did have to handle him on the on the land seer, land water series. I handled him. And I was really nervous about it was only a double, but it was a really cheaty little piece. And like, I don't know, like I, I'm out of the game, man. Like, do I just let him run around? The guy already said it's a watermark. Oh, and you better get him this, in then, bud. Just this little point. Mm-hmm. And I effed with him too much. And like mm-hmm. I sent him out to the to the deep water. Like he was he was gonna go past the point where it was thrown. Sure. And um anyway, blew the whistle, got him to get it. He ran a really nice blind down the shoreline, so that was no problem. And you know, the job, I was like, man, I handled twice, you know, in 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 three series, I handled twice. I don't know. Joe's like, he runs a really nice blonde. You did a really good job. I was like, all right, man, thank you very much. And yeah. as I left, you know, Karen's kind of filming me for YouTube, and I was like, man, like, is this is this like my ego? I thought I could just show up with this dog that I have no idea what he does. Never ran a water blonde, you know, didn't do really anything with him. <laughs> through it went to the middle school and threw some bumpers. Basically, is what we did. Yeah, and like. Like, am I just that arrogant that I thought I could show up and pass him? You know, and, and he did. He and got, he did. And he got two ribbons, but good but, for you. Uh, it was a little little on the sketchy side. Well, decoy I'm excited. carving. Decoy okay, carving. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, baby. Give me ramble. the 101. I ramble too much. I think, I always tell people this, the one tool that you have to have at least access to is a nice bandsaw. Because you're going to be cutting the, the, the heads out on a bandsaw. You're going to cut the bodies. Whether The heads, whatever wood you choose, you're going to definitely use a bandsaw for the heads. If you choose to use cork, foam, wood, whatever the bodies are, you're going to use a bandsaw there too. So a bandsaw is a number one, number one thing that you definitely need to have at least access to. And then I know, I know they're, not, they're not inexpensive, but a, a Fordham tool, a power, power shafted tool, Fordham. All right, I got to write this down, everybody. Fordham. 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 Yep. You Hang can go, on. I, I put can the... can Bob spell out how he thinks that's spelled? Yeah. All right. F O R E D O M. They they they're from they're from Connecticut. It's from Connecticut. F O R E D E M. O M. U M. O O O M. Dumb. D O M. All right. Well, Fordham tool. Tell me what a Fordham tool does. So basically, a Fordham tool is. I'm guess I'm going to date myself, but old school dentistry, where basically there's a foot pedal on the floor, there's a motor that hangs, and there's this big long shaft that has a um, a spinning cable inside of it, and then it goes to a handpiece. And that's you put your cutters, your whatever pieces you want in your in your handpiece, and just sit there and, and with your right foot or left foot, you just push, and you can adjust the speed of the motor, and it um, you know it it's it uh, I actually run two of them. I have a eighth horsepower and a quarter horsepower Fordham and um yeah I've had them I've had them for I don't know man since Fordham to almost I've like a belt since... sander no no it's uh more of like how about this a Dremel mm-hmm. a Dremel on steroids beauty on the so you're shaving this sucker down to get it to the shape that you want after you use the bandsaw to cut the rough outline Hundred percent. So you're going to cut the pro. You're going to take your pattern, whatever pattern you choose to use. You're going to take and cut your side. I don't use a top pattern, but I, I definitely use a side side view pattern. But some people use a top view pattern also. Um, but yeah, however, whatever method you use, you choose to use, you're going to use your bandsaw to cut your material, your you know your wood out for your head, and then you're going to just kind of go to town with your Fordham tool. And and or you know what, if you don't want to go the Fordham tool route, if you took a knife, I have a carving knife. It needs to be a, a, a decent a decent knife, um, but you you can sit and, and whittle whittle ahead by hand with your end grain. Like so, like on the getting ahead of myself, but basically you're always you want the bottom of the bill to be parallel with the grain of the wood, so that way all the strength is in the grain running 
per, uh, perpendicular. I'm sorry, parallel to the to the bottom of the bill. So therefore, you shouldn't like chip off the little ends. If if you had the, if you had the head pattern, think about it. The the bill kind of angled to the grain or perpendicular to the grain. The tip of the bill, especially perpendicular, the tip of the bill, you're going to break off very easily. Uh, so you Makes have sense. the bottom of your bill parallel to the wood, but that's going to mean that on the back side of the head, that's all end grain. So that that's going to be kind of more on the difficult side for you to hand carve with a knife. Gotcha. And what type of wood are you using for the head? I love northern white cedar, dried northern white cedar. You have some that's very How, close. Can to you me. buy it dried? Yes, and you have some um, Ogdensburg. That's not that's that right. You from. did say that the other that's night that. on. Patreon.com forward slash Jeff Coates. C-O-A-T-S, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You did mm -hmm. make a note of the the Ogdensburg, which I won't get into it to digress, but that's where I got buck from. Okay. So, uh, and then Northern White Cedar for the head. Yeah, I mean, some I guys think I'd like... I'm sorry? You were going to... Go ahead. I was going to say, some guys like to use basswood. Definitely the upper, you know, kind of Chesapeake Bay upper upper base style carvers, they like to use basswood because of the way they cut their bill in. You know, basswood carves very easily. It's a little heavier, um, but it, it definitely holds the uh, detail of, of the bill, how they carve. Some guys like to use white pine, sugar pine. Um, but, like, I, I just like northern white cedar, especially when it's dry. It's, you can literally take 60-grit sandpaper, and you, you in a couple seconds you can make a the head look like it's smooth. It, it, it just sands up so nice. Uh, but again, it's got to be dry. Okay. Do they sell it already dried? I think I asked that, but I couldn't can't remember if you, you said you, yes or no. It depends on like the the wood I get there from Ogdensburg. He he has it. It's in a kiln, and it's it is you know physically dried. Whereas if you buy um, wet, well let's say let's say not wet, fresh cut cedar, generally moist. typically excuse me, moist, moist. Let's call it. Karen says you can't say moist. Because <laughs> I say that sometimes. All right, says, Karen. You can't you can't say moist. She says, "Sorry, my bad." But so every for every inch of thickness of that board, basically air dry would take about a year to dry. So, but Ooh. if you want to, you know, if you want to carve like right now, I would go find the driest, you know, uh, northern white cedar you can. Okay, um, I personally love the look of a cork decoy. But let's say, first off, you're the specialist. So if you say, Bob, cork's cool. I like where your head's at, but try this. What would you do cork? I don't want to do foam because of the idea we spoke about earlier, because that's new age. What would you tell so, me? Well, what I would tell you is if, because a lot of guys will say, hey, I'm, I'm going to start with foam. I was like, don't do that. If you're going to use foam, go get a piece of cork because it's, it's cork is more, cork is tree bark. So it, it is a wood product, you know, it, it foams petroleum. So if you're going to take the effort to carve a piece of foam, take the, make the effort, which is not that much harder to carve a piece of cork. Um, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, you're going to be more pleased that you did cork versus a piece of foam. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say the cork over foam. And I would tell you high density tan cork over black like the old bulletin board or cork, you know, the old black cork that's kind of very coarse, has lots of voids in it. It's very, very nasty and messy, you know, when you sand and, and you cut it. And it's, it's uh, tan cork is, is more desirable, in my opinion, than, than black cork. Okay. But if you have a, a good bandsaw that you're not going to have trouble cutting out the cedar body and you can find really dry northern white cedar, that, that's, that's kind of a, that's a good route to go to. But it, regardless, I would tell you, at the very least, foam, black cork, tan cork, cedar, I would at least do the tan cork. Okay. What kind of duck would, do you think you should start with? So back in my – when I wanted to, to try to – you know, wanted to, wanted to compete, right? I want to make decoys. I want to go to shows. I want to compete. What's the easiest black – what's the easiest duck to probably carve, at least paint-wise – I thought I had my carving down halfway decent. My painting was, was suspect. So the the first year, not the first year, but the first time I entered the Havre Grace decoy show in Havre Grace, the rig bird was black ducks. And I'm like, man, that's perfect. Black ducks. The body's easy. The head's, it's very simplistic. It should be very easy. So I would think probably a black duck is going to be, I still think that today, the black duck is, is probably the, the easiest, easiest bird, uh, easiest entry duck 
from the from the carving and or carving ducks you know pretty much carving is carving so it doesn't really matter what species you'd pick but the paint job a black duck's probably going to be a little easier for you to to master try to master the paint job on a black duck versus anything else as far as uh being effective right like if you want to go carve your own decoys and throw them out in the water and hunt over your ducks or hunt over the decoys and try and bag some ducks do you feel that it's more like the size and shape and how they move on the water or how intricately painted they are? I would think it's, it's size and color. Really? Yep. Just watched uh, Karen with a new episode of, of a show came out on YouTube last night. They were on the great salt Lake. These guys are shooting decoying like in your face, green wing teal, basically using black silhouettes of ducks. So it's, 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 it really just proves, you know, my, well, it strengthens my thought process of it's it's about the the shape and the size. I'm sorry, size and the color. Excuse me. But literally, they were they they were shooting decoying green wing teal and shoveler over black and, and that area on the Great Lost, Great Salt Lake. The these black silhouettes of ducks are a very popular way, and they just they put a lot of them, and they're they're just make a big black spot, and um, you know, and that's it decoys birds. Was that the duck lore show? Yes. Oh, we just talked to, that was our buddy, Sean Weaver. He was just on our podcast a few weeks ago. I, I Great dude. I didn't know if we could say that. I oh. not know if we could say that or not. Honestly, why not? <laughs> oh, Great dude. Yeah. Well, it was, was in awesome. the F word. You're pretty much in, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's yes. cool. I'll have you to can watch say that. moist on here, Karen. Karen, you can say moist. <laughs> it's just a word. <laughs> um, so you'd suggest. Uh, what kind of paint I get? Hold on, what kind of I'm writing notes, Kevin. You can't see me on here. I got a whole notepad full of my my new skill set. What kind of paint do I get? Acrylic paint is going to be easier, I think, for you to learn in the beginning versus oil paint, oil-based paint. Acrylic paints are going to be a little easier. And we're oh, man, I should know I should know that they're very close to you. Golden's acrylic paints. I I you know what? I'm gonna get my phone out and find out where Golden's is. But I just did a, uh, I just did a, a size of a order from them, and I can't remember. It. They're in New York, like west Western New York kind of thing, not not New York City. Um, so one quick story while you're looking it up, Jeff. Yep. Back in the day, you did a New, video. New, New Berlin, New Berlin. Oh shoot! Yeah, that is close. About an hour That's and twenty. I thought, yeah, I thought it was halfway close. Now. All right. Or to a New York company who, because of taxes, are going to leave in the next, you know, three to 10 years. Um, you can get your wood back in the and day, your paint, you, your decoys in your, in your home state. In New York. All right. I love it. This is good. This is good, Kevin. Um, back in the day, you had a video, and you still do it to this day, where you had a wood burning tool with your logo made. And you'd heat that sucker up and you'd burn the bottom of your decoy with the pit boss logo. I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but I asked you, I mean, this is eight, nine years ago. I, I sent you a message on Facebook or Instagram and said, Jeff, where did you get that thing? You sent me to the right guy. So I got the same tool, but with a lone duck logo and I would I was, burn leather with it and make leather collars and stuff. Well, I was just, I was going to ask you, I hope that I answered you. You did. Okay, good. You did. I, what, I, I, I mean, like you, the things that you do on social media and, and how you help our community is going to live on forever, man. And that's why I think your Patreon is going to be extremely successful because people care about you and, and you care about them. So you're very anyway, kind. sidebar. You're very kind. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, Terry, but all right. Terry, I got acrylic paint. Yep. You, Terry Dissolit was on. the, uh, Terry Dissolit made your brand for you. Um, if, if you want to know, if I can kind of go off a little segue. Yep. I, I said that uh, cork is tree bark. So it, it's it's a basically, oh, you're back. I'm trying it. I just, I can't not let you see me. That's all right. It's all right. Because uh, I'm not really sure where I should look. I'm, you know, Max taking my, he's, he's taking one when it was screen black. I was looking at him. Anyway, so tree bark, I'm sorry, cork is tree bark. It's, a, it's in the trees in the oak family comes from Portugal. There was the only place in the United States, the Wiley Cork Company in Wilmington, Delaware, which is very close. You could drive up to the factory. 
Very good quirk. They actually made quirk. For, uh, it was almost like a lumberyard. When you showed up there, some of their quirk was actually out back um, exposed in, into the elements because they made, like for bri um, expansion joints for, in bridges and roadways and stuff, some of the quirk they made was for that. So you could take a piece of the decoy wily quirk and put it in a, a bucket of water, and like a month later, it, it weighs the same. It did not absorb any water. Long story short, and a, and a sheet of cork was thirty-five dollars, twenty-four by thirty-six by four inches thick. It was about thirty-five dollars. I just ordered some the other day, imported from Portugal, and it worked out to be one hundred sixty-seven dollars. So um, it's it's greatly greatly changed. But um, whenever the euro came in vogue in Europe, when everybody kind of bought into the to that. Uh, financial system the cork the raw material of the cork went up by three times they marty wiley didn't get better cork he didn't get more cork it just went up three times so all of a sudden like from from 35 dollars it actually worked its way up to 80 dollars a sheet his his shop wanted to become unionized the piece of property is valuable he's an older fellow basically wiley cork was no more and, and sold out wiley cork did not absorb water that's that was my main point you could screw a keel to it you were you were good to go Today's tan, high-density cork that's imported from Portugal, it does absorb water. So part of the deal was, and a good friend of mine, Tom Matus in, in uh, Boise, Idaho, he said, Jeff, if the cork is, is suspect or prone to absorbing water, why don't we take them, let's hollow, the, let's hollow them out. Put a bottom board on them, hollow the cork out. There's not as much cork in there to absorb water. It is possible you can, un, you, you can drill a hole in the bottom board, or, or I run my weights up and through there. A lot of times I have taken my... The weight's off, and actually water does come out of the birds. But the most important thing was now you have a board that you can actually brand and put your put your brand on. So that was kind of like a win-win where we're making a better decoy that maybe hopefully won't absorb water. We're trying to take, you know, take steps so that it doesn't absorb water or does not absorb as much water. Plus, you know, it has more of a traditional look. I put a leather piece of a leather loop with a brass screw, nice piece of nice mold molded lead on the bottom, and I I, I can put my brand in it. So it's that's kind of it was kind of a win-win. Absolutely. Would you use that northern white cedar for the base if you did hollow it out? You can, but what I really like to get, and if you have an older hardware store, they have dimensional uh, dried, like western red cedar. And that's what I like because it's, it's, it is feather, feather lightweight. It's, it's lighter than the northern white cedar. Okay. I'm writing all this down, it's, everyone, so I hope you are too. I'm going to warn you because it's costly. Yeah. If I'm only doing a dozen or 18 or though, you know, I don't know. It's probably going to still be more costly than an Avery decoy or a oh, tangle yeah, free yeah. decoy, but well, and, you, know, I mean, you made you have it. Some, you have something that you, you made. made it. You have something that you made and hopefully, you know, it lasts, you know, beyond you. Do you yeah, remember the first absolutely. time hunting over decoys that you made? I do. Can you tell that Bob, story? Yeah, I can. Bob, you brought up Assateague Island, the national yep. uh, national seashore, right? I probably shouldn't have. We should edit it and just go blank, blank, blank. Yes. <laughs> well, just Assateague. That was that was one of my first experiences of using my own birds, where I, I truly can't remember. I was in, I know I was on blind five. I was by myself. I had an old chocolate lab with me, and it was the the. The blind's not there today because the island's not there. But they had blinds. They used to have a blind that you hunted from. Now they just put a stake in it. And as long as you're whatever, how many yards from the blind, you're good to go, right? But anyway, old John boat with a go devil cruise out to this island. Set up my birds. I have three of my first Brant decoys pretty much that I've ever made. Um, and here comes a pair of Brant. I didn't call, but the Brant decoys were there. They, they just circled, hooked, came right back, and I went, boom. Boom! I didn't. I did not connect on the second shot, but the third shot, I, I shot a double of Brant over my own Brant decoys. This was 1997, and I just thought that was like that was that was freaking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. That I I can remember that vividly. That is epic. So were those the first decoys you ever made? Too were Brant? No, that was not the first decoys. The first decoys I ever made, which I wish, 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 wish that I would have taken better care of them. I still have them. They're just in really rough shape. Uh, an old Ducks Unlimited magazine showed you where it was a teal pattern where you could go get two by sixes from the hardware store, screw them together, cut them out. That was your body. And then you took one by 
Um, that was a pretty good shot of lightning there. One by fours, I think, that you would you you know cut out and you actually glued the one bys together to be able to carve your head out. And I made, I don't know, they're blue wing teal, which you know, we really don't have much. Well, especially then, we did we did not have any blue wing, or there was not a blue wing season here. And now we have the September season, which you gotcha. will get you get your blue wings. But yeah, the uh, blue wing teal from a pattern from the Ducks Unlimited magazine, using basically they were just sh showing you how do you you can go to the lumber yard and buy basically you know dimensional lumber off the shelf to to make a decoy. That's so cool. How do you make your keels? And maybe tell people what a keel is and how it works. So a keel would be, and generally, typically, you know. With hunting, you definitely want your, you know, you want your birds to self-write. But when you get into the decoy contest, that's the first thing is the bird self-writing. So, you know, basically they put it on its back and it must sit there on its own and, and self-write. So generally, typically, you know, guys will put a keel on it. The keel basically is where you'd put your weight or put weight inside the keel. My first birds, the Wiley cork that I did screw a keel to the bottom of the cork, I actually kind of counterboard inside of the keel. And I would pour my lead on the inside so you couldn't see the lead and then screw, you know, glue and screw the keel to the bottom of the, of, of the bird. And that was, that was the, that was the keel. And again, that cork did not absorb water. When Wiley went out of business and I did the same thing, basically where the screw went into the bird, that's where it leaked and, you know, or, and or water was got into the cork from there. So that's when I, again, with Tom made help kind of started to say, Hey, I'm going to hollow these things out. Um, the first ones I did, I actually put West Systems epoxy on the inside of the bird as well as glued the bottom board on with West Systems. I don't use that, you know, current day, I don't use that anymore. But um, So a keel is basically just the hunk of wood that you're going to put weight on the outside or the inside, and that's also how you're going to attach your line to the decoy. Okay. Current, current day, all I'm doing is I have a nice, um, a, a nice mold. I melt lead, I pour, pour that in there. I can kind of do um, like a four four to nine ounce basically however i get however i pour how much i pour and how i pour it i can get four ounces to nine ounces gotcha yeah that part scares me i feel like i burned myself i'm just gonna be honest man like i said i can talk and i can maybe train a dog and that's up in the air on some days so boiling and melting liquid hot magma in my backyard just seems like a recipe for disaster which would be great on film like the old times like you know, probably, you know, possibly lose a finger in any of this adventure. Well, I, I do it in flip-flops. So <laughs> I am kind of, and my, and my, the burner, the, you know, the, the pot is elevated, maybe about 18 inches off the ground. I, I am kind of conscious of my feet. I'll tell you what, Jeff, if it was eight degrees out, you'd be in flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> you know so. what, you know what I like to say, right? What? Size 17, baby. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I was going to say, does the carbon match the drapes? But that doesn't work with the foot joke. So, yeah, no. Hey, bingo, I really bingo, do have, bongo. I really do have trouble finding flip flops that really fit me. I'm sorry. I believe it. I do. And you're not a you're not a tall man. No, I'm not. But my head's big too. Like I have trouble finding stuff that like fits my head. And it's there's <laughs> not like there's like it's not there's not fat on my head. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like a big guy. <laughs> I'm not tall. I'm just a big guy. I love it, man. I love it. Um, so, all right, let's, let's finish, uh, with the decoys. So we've got either our cork or Northern white cedar. We got a bandsaw, a Fordham tool, um, carbon knife, rasp, baby hand tools, you know, again, hand tools work. So people that have hand tools, you can kind of, you can kind of cross over some hand tools into that. If you don't want to do the power tool. Then we got the keel and the lead weight. Got and your acrylic. You're... You got your Golden's acrylic paint from Newburgh, New York. Yeah. No, excuse me, New Berlin, not Newburgh, New Berlin. New Berlin. Yeah. Is that kind of so? All right. Here's a question. You had mentioned dimensions, mm -hmm. and remember back in the day, and you kind of sort of still do. You had monster decoys big dogs i mean it was not life-size they were they were big yeah i oh. do you remember the word you used scoterzillas scoterzillas um do you they were a joke actually in the beginning but do you think that works better 
Oh, hundred like, percent, man. Like it's, it's on open water. Again, it's about visibility mm -hmm. and yeah, it's, it's about visibility and it's got, it's gotta be, you know, the, the birds are attracted to the decoys and how, how are they attracted? They see the decoys, right? So when you're, you know, when you're in, you're in the Atlantic ocean and there's like miles of nothing, like you need to be seen. You need you to be about, noticed. Yeah. What do you think about mallard ducks and black ducks in the swamp? You think, you know, maybe we don't two times the size, but would you go a little bigger? I tell some people, I've had people tell me sometimes they go smaller. I don't, because they, they'll, there's this, and again, like, so on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, I, I remember guys had these silhouettes that were made basically out, they'd be rich today because they were made out of a four foot by eight foot sheet of plywood. <laughs> Right, eighty bucks like, now. Su supposedly, I don't. I'm not a. You know, I, I can't tell you intelligently whether this is true or not. But birds don't have. They cannot. Um, um, that's perception. Word. Perception. That's it. Yes, exactly. That's that's the word. So you know, some guys say when they use something real small, like birds almost hit the water because they think that they're they still have a lot to go to them, and, and the same kind of thing where like a goose silhouette that's a, made out of a sheet of plywood, like the goose doesn't doesn't know that he lands and it walks around thinking it is that's you know it's the same size as him kind of thing too but mm -hmm. but i do think again like on a big piece of water diving ducks sea ducks i i really do think that you know it, it, the bigger is the better gotcha so again with the dimension idea yes on the size of the block of wood that you can buy what do you have to glue it and then cut it or does it so, come in the size that you kind of need? So the cork comes and again, basically there's a couple different thicknesses, but basically 24 inches by 36 inches, something like, you know, like three and a half inches thick to the stuff I just ordered 3.6 inches, four inches thick, and then 4.6 inches thick. The scoter, the scoter I worked up today, they were true four inch cork birds that have a three quarter inch bottom board on them. So look, you know, over a little oversized, not not crazy oversized, right? The scoter. Well, I think that's what. Go ahead. Scoterzilla were six inches, six, seven, or eight inch cork with bottom board. So they they were they were like goose. They were like basically Canada goose size, right? Actually, right. they were even bigger than Canada geese, but they were they were goose sized duck decoys. So if I were to get that normal normal standard size block, how many decoys could I make out of it? I wouldn't have to glue. I could just cut it so my teal my, my all my birds are big but i can get 19 teal out of a 24 by 36 inch sheet of cork the scoter that i just cut out i was only able to get eight of those out gotcha so if you wanted to do mallards or something you'd be able to get one sheet and be able to bang out a few birds I, I, a nice a nice you know a reasonably sized mallard or black duck pattern i think you probably can work between 10 and 12 bodies out of that or you can get you know, 10, 11, 12, or 10 or 11 plus like a, a teal body. There's still gonna, there's a spot that's still, you have a spot for, but it's not as big as a, a you know, mallard or a black duck, but like you can always get a teal, it seems like, out of your cork. You, you lay out all your patterns, and there's still room to get a teal. Yeah. Now, the kicker is you got to remember room for error. So I'm thinking I'm going to need six. I'm going to get six. Okay. And then I'm going to need another one for the other six, and I'll screw up, you know, 24. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. Where do you, well, Jeff, where do you, oh, real ahead, quick, Jeff. where do you get patterns and then we can bounce? Pat, patterns, I mean, it's, it's, there's, um, Pat Godden from Ontario. He had a, a, a series of pattern books out back in the day. He doesn't print those anymore. You can still find them, you, you know, eBay or, you know, online. You can still find them used here and there. He does have his uh, online store that you can buy a bird. Like, you actually get the pattern book had, you know, it was, it was puddle ducks, then it was all diving ducks, and it was all sea ducks and confidence and, confidence in uh, uh you know goose and confidence birds but you can buy a particular you know species from him but there, there's there's a lot if you if you google it you'll you'll find decoy patterns pretty easily do you sell any of your own cool i i give them out oh. right on yeah well i still want a surf scoter we can do that I still every time we've come and hunt with you man i try and get one and then i you know life gets in the way and we we got to haul back to new york but I want, uh, you know, in, in the back of Uncle Jeff's head, Bob would love uh, to send you a little cashola for uh, uh, one of your surf scoters. But, check out um, Instagram, from, Instagram from today, and you can see I, I put a bunch, right, the last post, I put a bunch of scoter up, uh, surf scoter and, and common scoter.
Beautiful. Beautiful. Jeff, do me a favor real quick. We're going to jump off of here because we've got to go in about 15 minutes to our, our patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. And Jeff's going to join our community and we're going to talk dogs, decoys, you know, dog training questions. And Jeff and Karen are going to participate and be a part of the, the fun on our happy hour tonight. So before we sign off, Jeff, Instagram, Facebook, website, if they want to book a hunt with you, because we really didn't talk about that, but you are the man for Ocean City, Maryland, sea duck hunting. Where can they come and hunt with you? And then where can they join your Patreon so that they can be a part of your fun? So basically, Pit Boss, P-I-T-B-O-S-S, Waterfowl, F-O-W-L.com. That's the webpage. And pretty much Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, um, Snapchat, TikTok, at Pitboss Waterfowl, that, that'll find you. Oh, you're on you the TikToks. Move. Yeah, man, I'll get on there a little bit. <laughs> I, I can't do it. i get on there a little bit. Um, Good for you. <laughs> YouTube's big for you as well, isn't it? Yeah, YouTube, yeah. So YouTube.com forward slash either Jeff Coates, J-E-F-F-C-O-A-T-S, or Pitboss Waterfowl. Each one pulls that up. Put a bunch of videos up today. I'm, I'm kind of, like, I'm addicted to that that stuff. I just really am. Um patreon.com forward slash jeff j-e-f-f-c-o-a-t-s beautiful well everybody do me a favor if you enjoy his content on youtube instagram everything if you if you just want to buy him a drink go on his patreon join their community get on his happy hours what are you and karen calling him because i love it It was like we it's it's kind of a john daly golf reference but it's it's grip it and sip it I love it. Well, cheers to you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the show tonight. We appreciate you. And in about 10 minutes, we're going to see you live on our Zoom happy hour, uh, patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. Thank you, buddy. And give us the thinking of you we are. Thank you. Wait a minute. Kevin and Bob, thinking of you we are. Yeah, baby. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Boom. Thank you. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Oh,